recruitment professionals, we know how challenging it can be to recruit specialty positions. When working with limited budgets and on short timelines, it is crucial to be as targeted and efficient as possible. In this podcast series, AAPPR connects to specialty medical associations and physicians to learn how recruitment professionals can build a strategy. We'll hear about the trends, considerations, and tips that are the key to successful specialty recruitment. I'm Liz Mahan, Physician Recruitment Advisor at AAPPR, and today I'm joined by Dean Ginsberg, the Senior Director of Career and Professional Development with the American Association for Physician Leadership. In this capacity, Dean coaches physicians in the development of their strategic career plan. Dean also leads the development of AAPL's new initiatives, including physician wellness, women in medicine, and the diversity and inclusion programs. She is a certified professional career coach and has worked with a number of organizations in the development of their longitudinal physician leadership programs through the deployment of psychometric assessments, live and distance education, and group and individual coaching. Welcome, Deanne. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm happy to be here. So as you know, physician recruiters recruit doctors in almost every specialty under the sun. And from time to time, that includes formal physician leaders um, in different roles for organizations. So I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about the training and the skills necessary for formal physician leadership roles. That's a great question, Liz. And and I have to say the word leadership is just thrown around so freely. um, And we really don't understand many times what is required for a solid physician leader. Um, And something else that I I do want to bring to your attention is physicians go through an extensive amount of formal education, and then they're often placed in work environments. And um, the idea is that when they move into these environments, they already have certain leadership skills because there's an expectation that they know how to lead a clinical team or um, a healthcare team or, or even a committee. And that is often overlooked, leaving physicians struggling. So there are typically two paths into leadership. And again, I like to think of leadership as formal and informal. So in formal leadership roles, there really are some skills that physicians should know going into a formal leadership role. There's an expectation that when they're sitting in a room with other non-physicians that they're able to have a discussion about healthcare finance, healthcare law, team development, communications, but certain skills that are often not provided to them in um, medical training. In an informal role, the ability to understand an organization's culture and adapt accordingly is really important as well. Healthy communication skills, conflict resolution skills. So whether physicians are moving into formal or informal leadership roles, there are certain skills that they really should have in order to prepare themselves to be successful in a clinical or administrative role. It's such a good thing to know. And and some of those skills are what are commonly referred to as soft skills, Mm -hmm. um, like communication and being able to be empathetic or understand your teammates or the people that you're leading, while the others are hard skills, like finance or healthcare law. Um, Mm -hmm. There's really a lot to take into consideration. 
There is, there is. And it's often overlooked. A lot of the clinicians that I work with um, or that I coach often assume that what makes them extraordinary clinicians also prepares them to be extraordinary leaders. And many times I have to debunk that and, and really get back to the very basics um, and, and move away from the science of medicine in order to help them understand what it takes to lead a team. Yeah, you also touched on something I think is really important that physician leaders in particular really have a foot in two different worlds. One is the clinical world and the other might be, you know, the administrative world. And the people who who inhabit those two worlds are very different and they communicate very differently. They have very different expectations of, of what leaders do. So it, it really is a line that they walk. It's not an easy job to be in. No, I often say, and I've worked in leadership and management education for many years with non-physicians. I worked um, for an organization that accredited MBA programs, but I often say that physicians have the most difficult leadership role there is because the two sets of skills are often contradictory to one another. Um, I use the example of um, self-control. Self-control in a clinical environment is greatly appreciated. You physicians have to deliver bad news to patients, families and patients and their clinical teams, they have to manage those. So a heightened degree of composure is really important for a physician in a clinical environment. However, when he or she is leading a team or leading um, a committee, there's a sense of connectivity that they need to have, a sense of, of humanity that needs to exist. Um, and so that can often be, that heightened degree of self-control can often be seen as someone who is cold or distant or disconnected. So many times they have to call on two very distinctive set of skills in any given day at any given moment. And the ability to, um, adapt quickly and to have a heightened degree of emotional intelligence is critical for them. Absolutely. So we touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious about some of what you think are the most significant considerations for potential leaders when they're thinking about making that transition from clinical practice into a healthcare administrative role. And, and as we know, sometimes that's a division. It's not 100% administrative, right. it might be 50-50, it might be 25-75. So I'm curious mm -hmm. to know what some of those considerations might be. Well, the first question that I think is often overlooked and underestimated is asking the question, do you really want to be a leader? I've had physicians who are in these roles and they've said to me, you know, I'm really just not a people person or I never intended to lead. It's just that, or take on this committee or take on this job. It just so happened that an old colleague of mine said, hey, you'd be a great fit for that. And we're all flattered when somebody recognizes us for our achievement in another environment, but we, we step into these roles and then discover, oh my gosh, it's not what I thought it would be. I miss patient care. I miss the camaraderie of you know, being in the ER. And so many times it, I, when I'm coaching a physician, I'll ask the question, do you really want this role? Is this really what you want? Or is it based upon the expectation that you grow into this role, that this is considered um, how, you, how you indicate success, so to speak? Um, and so that's the first question that I really encourage them to ask. Then I ask the question about how much clinical 
connection do you still want? A lot of physicians need to maintain their licensure, so therefore they are in, in part-time clinical role. I've seen anything from 50% clinical and 50% admin to 75% admin and 25% clinical. So understanding what that responsibility will be. Um, and, and some people move all the way into admin 100%, which then removes them from the clinical environment. Many organizations kind of frown upon that because the whole idea of having a physician who is a leader is that he or she is also connected, um, closely connected to the clinical environment. And therefore they're advocating on behalf of, of that compartment uh, or that department or, or that um, group of, um, of physicians or clinicians or, you know, but they're, they have that foot, that sense of intimacy with that role. Those are, those are great tips and a lot to think about. I, mm -hmm. I think we've all fallen into that trap of not being able to say no when somebody <laughs> comes to us and asks us to do something or to participate in a panel mm -hmm. or a committee. And mm -hmm. um, it's important to do that assessment and to determine whether it's really a path that you want to follow long-term or is this just a, a one-off thing that you've agreed to do? And I encourage physicians to be very careful. When you, when you start venturing into leadership, it's really important to be mindful and strategic about your path forward because finding yourself in a role and not functioning to the best of your capability because you lack interest in that role can hurt you. Um, imagine yourself being asked to serve on a committee and that's not really your thing, but you do it because somebody asked you or because you're flattered. And now you find yourself on this committee, you're disengaged, you feel as though decisions are being made too slowly. And so therefore you, you begin to develop a reputation of not being an effective leader. So I often say to physicians, if you're going to lead in a formal environment, do it deliberately, do it purposefully and do it strategically because a failure to do so and understand the responsibility that comes with that could really hurt you in the long run. And it's a really important conversation to have with the recruitment professional if you're interviewing for a job, especially if it's a leadership role where maybe you're moving to a new organization specifically for that role. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I think you want to be really clear up front with what you envision the division being between clinical time and administrative time, right down to, you know, what is the expected patient volume for this role and call? Because certainly mm -hmm. you don't want to be in a situation where you've been taking call and then the next day at 8 a.m. you have to lead a meeting. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also to consider too is the organization's culture because many times again, you know, we're flattered that re that recruiter calls us and says, hey, there's an opportunity here that I think would be a great fit for you. And now we begin to um, mold ourselves into being what that recruiter is asking for instead of asking critical questions. Tell me about the work-life balance. Tell me about the organization's culture. Tell me about their mission and values. Are there, is there alignment between my values and the organization's values? So again, being able to ask those critical questions that will give you some insight into the organization is an important thing because no one wants you to get into a role and then discover it's not a good fit 
No one wins in that situation. The organization has invested a great deal of money in onboarding. The recruiter has spent a lot of time um, identifying you as a candidate and preparing you for that role. And you've wasted a lot of time at that point, you know, going down a rabbit hole that really isn't a good fit. So it's important to ask critical questions um, of the recruiter and of the organization. Right. And, and for physician leaders, that's really on both sides. It's asking Absolutely. those clinical questions and also asking about the administrative component and, and spending time getting to know that administrative team. Absolutely so. So what are some trends that you're seeing in physician leadership and, and specifically ones that recruitment professionals and organizations should keep in mind when, when searching for a physician leader? Well, first of all, I have to say that the recruiting market is a tough place right now. There is strict competition for top talent in, in physicians. We're facing a physician shortage just based upon the number of physicians that are matriculating out of um, medical school and residency. Um, there's, you know, COVID has added a whole new layer of confusion to healthcare. And I know that I talk to physicians frequently that are questioning whether um, their what's their long-term goal or strategy in healthcare. Um, I see two sides of it. I see some or some physicians who say, gee, I'm looking for another job because I feel as though my healthcare organization let me down during this critical time. There was a lack of consideration for my family's safety and my safety in terms of availability of PPE. I saw a side of my healthcare company that I didn't care for. And then I have other physicians who say, I really want to get into leadership now more than ever because I realize that I need to have a voice in how healthcare policy is developed and, and how our organization addresses these types of critical issues. Um, and so that's the big trend. In terms of recruiting, recruiters and organizations have to be really creative nowadays in order to attract top talent. Um, there's a lot of discussion about work-life balance, quality of, of life. It's not as much about money is still important, but that's not all. I think physicians who are looking to make a move really are looking at the bigger picture. What type of population does this organization serve? Um, is this an urban or rural hospital environment? What's the culture inside the organization? What is the social environment? Um, are, the, are the clinicians and leaders um, in alignment with the organization's values? So I think that creating a comprehensive and aggressive package that goes beyond finance is really important when recruiting physicians and especially top talent. Absolutely. And I think specific to physician leadership, what organizations and, and recruitment professionals need to keep in mind is you really have to put together that that package to attract both the clinical and the administrative. It Absolutely. really shouldn't come down more heavily on one side mm -hmm. uh, than the other, or you're gonna end up with a, a physician leader who's not satisfied with mm -hmm. um, you know, at least one component of their job, if not both. And I think it's important to also understand that you may hire a clinician today who will possibly be a leader inside that organization tomorrow. And so offering them opportunity for growth and development um, is really an important part of that conversation. Um, what does upward mobility look like for me inside this organization? Will there be opportunities to serve on committees or to learn new skills? 
And so um, I think that that's a really important part of the conversation to have because many organizations are, you know, they, they look for upward mobility internally for, for candidates, but then they reach outside when they don't feel as though um, they have that, that bandwidth of um, emerging leaders. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes organizations or recruiters, and this goes back to what you're saying about asking that important question is, is leadership a path you want to go down? You know, sometimes we'll see a CV come through and, and meet a candidate that has all of the qualifications that we envision for a clinical leader down the line. Maybe we know that a division chief is going to be retiring in, in three years or four years. And, and we say, oh, this person would be, you know, the perfect one to take over that role. But does the conversation happen with that candidate? You know, do you do you have that conversation? And I think it's an important one to have because, as you said, not everybody might want to go into the leadership role, even if they have the qualities that would make them an exceptional leader. I totally agree with you. And I do think that that's where the recruiter can be a critical part of this conversation is being able to ask those probative questions, the questions that, that go beyond the resume or CV, but getting to know the individual, getting to know their career aspirations. Um, and keeping in mind too that, you know, today I may not be that interested in leadership, but I would like the opportunity to know that I can grow into that if the opportunity arises. Also on the organization side, understanding the succession plan for the organization, because many times they have senior leaders who are kind of looking at retirement, you know, they, and I've talked to so many leaders who are just hanging in there because there are no viable candidates internally. And so many times they're, they're maintaining these leadership roles and wanting to retire, but they can't find that pipeline of individuals who can step into their space. So are there mentorship opportunities inside the organization? Um, is this individual, you know, maybe not today, but at, but at some point considering a formal leadership role? Um, again, I go back to the broader questions. What does my work-life balance look like inside this organization? What's the community, the social network um, inside this, in this environment? Should I move to Boston or should I move to rural Pennsylvania? You know, all of these questions I think are critical for the recruiter to kind of scope out in order to provide healthy and viable candidates um, to organizations. Those are great tips. Having those those deeper, more probative conversations where you're uncovering things that maybe are not as clear in the CV and, and learning, learning more about the candidate and where they want to go and what they envision for themselves. And, and being an in-house recruiter, you sort of have the perspective of that culture in the community and right. the organization to assess what, whether or not that's going to be the right fit. And then I love what you said about the mentoring programs. You know, we started the conversation talking about, um, you know, the training and the skills, both hard and soft, that are are uh, what make a good physician leader. Um, you know, and mentoring is a great way um, to to learn whether or not um, you know something is really in your wheelhouse or a path that you want to go down in the long term. Mm -hmm. 
So as recruitment professionals, what other tips or advice can you offer to us as we recruit physician leaders? So there are a couple of things. First of all, physician recruiters have to be mini psychologists. You have to be able to read between the lines of what people say, because if you were, it's like that first date, you know, where you put on your absolute best outfit to impress and you say all the right things. And so someone says, I don't want to get married. And you go, I never want to get married either. When you know, the truth is that you do want to get married. So, um, so the truth is that uh, um, the job that you have is one that is incredibly intense because you have to be able to read between the lines. What are individuals not telling you? What are they not saying? Um, that's the first part. Then you have to be an investigator too, because you have to be able to understand is what this person's saying consistent with their reputation? Is it, is it who they truly are? I know that sounds really intrusive to some degree, but um, it's important because you're, in, you're spending a lot of money on onboarding. And so being able to identify the right candidate and sift between the lines. I'm a big fan of psychometric assessments too, I have to say. I've, I've used them for many years. And I know that some internal recruiters use them or HR um, uh, departments use them, but they help give you a little bit more insight into a person's personality or communication style. And so many times that speaks to, will this person be the right fit for the organization's culture? And, um, and so it's really important also understanding if I have a team of individuals and I need someone who can drive that team, I may be looking for someone that is more, that has more of a dominant personality or, you know, or, or if I have a team where there are a bunch of people who are workhorses and who really want to get the job done, then I need somebody who can connect them all. So beginning to understand how these personalities and characteristics along with hard skills make uh, can help you identify the best candidate um, I think will be really important. That's excellent advice. You don't want to hire the workhorse when you need the strategic thinker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dean, this was a great conversation. I, I learned so much and it really got me thinking about you know, the qualities and, and what makes a good physician leader. It's, it's a hard role for sure, because you're, you're clinical, you're administrative, you're wearing a lot of different hats. And I know our members really appreciate the insights that you've offered. So we know how, how best to speak to them and recruit them and bring them into an organization and a community. It has thoroughly been my pleasure. And if I can just say that leadership is really so rewarding. When I talk to these docs who are in these roles and the ability to change healthcare or to change processes or to drive outcomes and, and really to understand the business of healthcare, the, leaders who are really successful in that space have a solid grasp on the empathy and the compassion it takes to provide quality health care, but then they also understand the business element of health care. And it, when you talk to them and their voice lights up or their eyes light up as they talk about, you know, a, a new strategic initiative or, you know, the, the new the new wing of the hospital that's opening that they had a part in. It really is a very fulfilling um, career transition for them. Um, but I also encourage people not to take it lightly that it is really a big responsibility. So 
um, hopefully I've given you some information or some, some insight in terms of, of what it takes to be effective in this role. Absolutely. And I appreciate it. I think I speak on behalf of all of our members when I say thank you so much for sharing your insights and expertise with us. Um, it's, it's greatly appreciated. It is truly my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode in our specialty recruitment library. And of course, thank you to our association partners for taking the time to speak with us. Remember to check back as we add new episodes and specialties. And for more tools and resources, be sure to check out the AAPPR resource library at aappr.org resource library.